Welcome to the Calvary Chapel Naples Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you'll be blessed by this week's message from Pastor Aaron Lapp. For more information about this podcast and other Calvary Chapel Naples resources, please visit us at ccnaples.org. All right, well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Calvary Chapel. We have a special treat this morning. Um, we have a special guest who's going to be with us all morning today, and I wanted to just kind of get the introduction in and out of the way so that Paul can come up and get us going into worship and, and everything. So I'm going to briefly introduce Paul here. Uh, this, uh, <laughs> Paul Clark. That's who I'd like to introduce you to. So Paul, as a teen, after seeing the Beatles play in a stadium in Kansas City, was inspired to become a musician, and so he bought a drum set, and he put together a band. In 1970, however, Paul had a miraculous conversion and felt a call to, on his life to sing a new song to the end of the earth. He ended up in the Christian music scene and became one of the founding fathers of the Jesus movement. During that time, Paul played alongside artists such as Phil Kage, Love Song, Larry Norman, Keith Green, I want to talk to you about that, and many others. Paul has been on, as he puts it, this minstrel's voyage for over four decades and has no intention of dropping his anchor anytime soon. This morning, Paul is going to lead us in a time of worship. He's going to share some of his own music that he's written over his career. He's also going to share some of his experiences from his life and his ministry. So please welcome Paul and his stepson, Jonathan, and they're going to come up. You're a good reader and researcher. <laughs> it's amazing what Google do for you. Hey, let's stand to our feet and uh, give praise to our God. I feel like this morning I was a little bit of a time capsule. I came down and did a U-turn to come back to this direction as Siri was guiding me. And I saw a golf course, uh, Bear's Paw. And uh, I played golf there with my dad all the time back in 1973 on four when that course was built. And that's a hole in the wall. I just had a total flashback. So it's good to be back in the hood. And uh, we'll trust that the Lord will speak to us today. Amen? Amen. All right. There's no band this morning, so put your hands together. Yeah, here you go. And lift up our hands For the joy of the Lord is our strength We bow down worship Him now How great, how awesome is He Together we sing Everyone sing Come on, sing together Holy is the Lord, God Almighty. Oh, the earth is filled with His glory. Holy is the Lord, God Almighty. Oh, the earth is filled with His glory. 
joy of the Lord is our strength. We bow down, worship Him now. How great, how awesome is He. Together we sing. Everyone sing. Everyone was crying out to you. Holy is the Lord. Oh 
of all days, so so highly exalted, glorious in heaven above, heaven above. next to you hug and have a seat. Worship the Lord. Give the Lord another round. Woo! That is just so awesome. Welcome to Calvary Chapel Naples. What a treat this morning to have you guys just leading us into worship. Um, my name is Cesar. I'm one of the elders. We'd love to welcome you here. And for those watching at home as well, welcome. I do have a few announcements, and then we may resume worship. However, if this worship is not enough for you, you get another chance tonight. 
It's the third Sunday of the month, so we do a night of worship and prayer. So come out with your families, 6 o'clock here in the sanctuary. It's a way to not only get intimate with the Lord, but also intercede for each other, your neighbors, your family, the country, the world, right? Everybody needs Jesus. So tonight, 6 o'clock, be here or be here. Uh, evangelism class on Wednesdays, we're taking a break this Wednesday, and we'll resume on 3-2. So March, it's already March very soon. Good Lord. All right. Uh, Moving on to taste your things, potluck. <laughs> potluck is happening, as you know, the first Sunday of the month, and that will be March the 6th, believe it or not, it's coming up soon, and that's going to be an Italian feast. Jan, your specialty. Yep. All right. So start thinking about your involvement with the potluck. In addition to that, on 3-12 is our homeless outreach. It's Saturday the 12th. We're going to continue with the theme, and we're going to bring lasagna and salad. They did request personal care items. Shaving cream, razors, female hygiene products. We'll give you more specific, but start thinking about what you would like to contribute for that outreach. And again, that's on 312, Saturday the 12th. And then last but not least, the men's conference is upon us. And this is going to be in conjunction with Calvary Chapel, Cape Coral, 318, 319. Registration is 37. So guys, if you haven't registered, like me, do so ASAP if you want to attend. And that's on 318 and 319. Amen? I think that's all I got, guys. Please stand and enjoy the rest of worship. All right. Stretch your legs. Now you can sit back down. <laughs> We're done singing. I'm going to sing a couple of special music songs. Before I move forward, though, I'd like to introduce my wife, Heidi, who's sitting in here in the front. My friends, the Nelsons. They're there waving their hands. And my friends, the Bergmas, who found it on Facebook. And my friends, the, the Johns, and my, no, and my mom, and my dad, no, they're in heaven, I forgot. Uh, before I even get into my own songs, I just want to introduce Heidi's son, Jonathan, my son, Jonathan. And uh, yeah. I got a long story of 52 years, but I thought before I got into that, that I had to take a little opportunity for us to share a song that we wrote together. And uh, Jonathan's getting to release his first album, so I just wanted to give you a little bit of exposure to his great gift. So uh, let's roll. Hey, yes. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I forgot that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, Jesus never did that. He, <laughs> he kept the kids there. The donkeys were parked over here, and yeah. <laughs> so appreciate that. You keep steering me. Yeah. Yeah, I almost see them for you going to the first song, but you know. Uh, Last week, I was in Calvary Chapel, Inverness, Camp Pastor Kevin. I've sung there a couple of times before, but uh, I, I'm, uh, I like to be used by the Lord. I like to be active and not just be sitting around on my hands. And you know, being in a town on a Sunday, you want to be using your gifts somewhere. So uh, I had text or email, I can't remember, Aaron. And uh, anyway, Kevin was kind enough to call down and say, hey, my friend Paul Clark's from your town. And, so we connected, and we had. I said, I don't want to just show up Sunday morning in half an hour for church and get to know each other. We had a fantastic lunch on Thursday for about an hour and a half, just talking, and uh, it's a blessing. I, I really love Aaron already. So you have a good shepherd here. He he really he he really drilled me. I'm a even though I've been doing this for 52 years, he he grilled me not hard, but he grilled me on different things and make sure that you got this. And it was really good. He really cares about your. This flock, so I really commend that. So uh, it's a blessing. 
I met Deirdre this morning, so that's even better. So, anyway, so this um, Jonathan is, uh, like I said, doing his first album, and uh, a while back, about a year or so ago, a year and a half ago, we were sitting around, and, and he kind of had a writer's block a little bit. I like to tell a story. This is an embarrassing story. It's a great story. Uh, so I said, what's your favorite scripture right now? And he told me, Mark 8, 34. I said, well, let's write a song right now. And like a couple hours later, we were yeah. doing this little We wrote song. it together. Yeah. And uh, go for it. Here you go.
Calvin. All right. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You got your Bibles with you, which I'm sure you do. They're going to beat you to death. <laughs> I want to just start this morning with a verse that's always meant a lot to me, and I think it's very appropriate for right now. Anybody need Bibles? Great. Back there, yeah. Let's turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 10. It's, uh, if you're not familiar with Ecclesiastes, it's, it's basically after Proverbs for a Song of Solomon. This chapter is known in my generation as the bird song. <laughs> to everything, ten, ten, ten. Roger McGuinn, 12 string. But um, there's a season, and we're certainly living that. But this particular passage I love. Verse 10, if the axe is dull, and one does not sharpen the edge, then he must use more strength. But wisdom brings success. And, you know, I live in uh, the Midwest. We live in Missouri. We live in an 1842 stone and log house. And wood's a factor. We got a wood burning stove. <laughs> And we, my wife Heidi, actually, uh, about a month ago, I looked through the window, and she's got one of those wedges, and she's taking a hammer and beating this log, trying to split them in half. And it wasn't going well. The, the, the splitter got stuck in the log, and we couldn't get it out. We're throwing this log around the yard and trying to get it out of there and break it. But a dull axe, uh, guess who wins? The axe. The tree gets dented and, and beat up and thrashed on but it doesn't bring the success that you're after, you know? And so it says wisdom brings success. So I just want to pray right now. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that we can come before you, and you are the wisdom of God, Jesus, that we can come before you and ask you to open our hearts, open our eyes, our ears, to hear the wisdom, not just the knowledge from the words and the songs, the words are spoken today, but the wisdom to apply it, because without the wisdom to apply it, it really has little chance of bearing fruit. And we want to be fruit bearers. So we thank you for this passage. Help us to sharpen our axes daily in your word, in prayer, or devotion time, in our interaction with each other. Iron sharpens iron. Help us to stay really sharp, especially in these days right now where we need to cut through all the darkness all the riffraff, the shenanigans that Satan's trying to throw at us. Uh, help us to be sharp as razors. Your word is sharp as a two-edged sword and cuts to the very quick. So we thank you for your word. We thank you for this time to be gathered together. Give us your wisdom now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, it's something that we can actually gain wisdom from following Jesus. It's something you can't go out and earn. You can go to college and learn knowledge. You can do all these things to, to try to, you know, build yourself up or build your fortress up. But wisdom is something that you gain usually through loss, failure. There's all kinds of things that bring wisdom. Uh, if you're smart, you learn from somebody that already made that mistake and say, well, I'll take the shortcut here and avoid all that pitfall and uh, gain some wisdom. So I just pray this morning that the wisdom of the Holy Spirit will speak to us and it will be more fruitful. That being said, uh, turn to John chapter 15, if you would. I'm going to 
read all of it, but let's just read the first part of John chapter 15. I'm the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Write that down if you want to circle it, underline it, whatever, more fruit. He prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, underline that, bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Underline that again. Much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch has withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you desire, and it shall be done for you. But this, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. There's a theme going on here. <laughs> so you will be my disciples. Who wants to be a disciple this morning? Anybody? I do. I'm still being a disciple. It's, it's the greatest thing. But you can see there's a, there's a term and a, a phrase going through here about bearing fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. And I want to just to share a little song just to uh, accentuate the point, if I can say that. precious blood of the Lamb But I haven't touched the hole in His side But in the vine I'll God, you are my King, you're the Lord of everything, oh Jesus, I will abide, 
fruit this is my aim and give the glory the glory to your name to do the same you must decide if in the vine you'll abide to do the same you must decide if in the vine you'll abide you'll abide oh Jesus is the vine If you'll abide. Amen. That song was from 1974, so stretches my memory bank a little bit. But, um, now think of that passage. Actually, sorry, getting a little choked up there. I actually want to take just one minute to tell you how grateful I am to be here. Not just from the invitation, but grateful to be here, stand in this spot. And without saying dramatic, uh, I went in two years ago in November, I went in for a routine stint procedure, and uh, they didn't, somehow must have had a bad morning. They went right to the stop signs and missed that I'm allergic to lidocaine, and I'd, they gave me two milliliters, and I went code blue, and things went upside down, and hit the guardrails pretty hard, and trying to leave the planet. And then they did have the stent all the way up there, so they went my leg with a second stent while they were trying to revive me, and put two more milliliters in my leg, and that takes about 30 minutes to get in your bloodstream when you go into a big muscle, and so a little while later, ba-boom, the place blew up again, and it was just a skewing road there for a while, and I was in and out of the hospital, and I went, 40 out of 70, I know something crazy. I lost track. And then uh, the morning, the last morning I was actually in the hospital, my roommate died right in front of me. I actually videoed it. That sounds like how off base I was. I was like, the guy's dying. You know, I'm a camera. But um, then I went home and COVID broke out. That's why they kicked me out of the hospital because COVID started March 1st, 2020. And, uh, you know, I was trying to do cardio rehab through Zoom. It doesn't really work out. <laughs> Keep going, Mr. Clark. Okay, can you see me? Okay, yeah, I'm like, okay. Yeah. So it, it was a, a total loss, crash and burn all the way. And uh, I really got discouraged. And you look, started looking for a new doctor. And two of the things that were residuals were kind of vertigo or more imbalanced. I mean, the vertigo, I guess, is the room where actually spinning around you. But my balance is off all the time. I still struggle with it, even up here this morning. I'm kind of. Riding this ship all the time. My bubble, my little bubble is always <laughs> looking for a center. And uh, the other thing that happened was that uh, I guess maybe when you're um, having a stent put in, they don't knock you all the way. It's just a deep sedation. They bring you out quickly. But I remember all the chaos enough that the white lights and stuff. So like this light right now, I just want to tell you, standing here this morning, this right from the first song, I was like, started playing, like, whoa. Because anything on my right side that's white triggers it. My, my brain wants to go off into, thou shalt not pass. It's actually doing its job, you know, protect me. 
So anything on the right is a challenge for me. So I'm really thankful for this light this morning. In fact, Lord, I want to thank you for this white light because you're continuing to heal me. There's a difference between a miracle and healing. Miracle is instant. Healing, you cut yourself. I cut myself the other day on that. It's been a week, and now it's just about scabbed over and gone off. It takes time. So two years and two months later, okay, I'm still healing. But that doesn't mean I'm going to sit down and wait till I'm all healed to be prosperous, you know, in the Lord. You, you work through it. We work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Amen? Can anybody say amen to that? I mean, the last couple of years, let's, let's be honest with each other here. It's been not a cakewalk. It's been a, a lot of tough uh, uphill battles. And uh, for myself, uh, not even, uh, I won't tell the whole story, but not even a short period of time afterwards, I went down and drove the car down to the harbor store to get a set screw. And I come out, and just as I got out, my cell phone rang, and I reached down to look at it. And then all of a sudden, I heard this extremely loud bang, like an explosion kind of, but not a full-on. And I look up, and there's this white Explorer coming right at me about 100 miles an hour. I mean, getting, I'm just bracing for impact. And of course, it's white. It's coming fast from the right-hand side. And I just brace myself for impact, and all of a sudden, a tire goes over my hood and hits the wall of the hardware store, and then that causes the Explorer to go just veer off the right, about where that pole is right there. The Explorer hit and just exploded. I mean, I mean, exploded. I don't mean bang, crash. I mean, boom. And all of a sudden, I get out, and I go into rescue mode. <laughs> I'm all of a sudden a first responder, you know. I'm, I'm in no position to do that, but I go into that mode, you know. And all of a sudden, the back glass gets kicked out, and the 665 guy climbs out, get the guns and the drug, and all that. And all of a sudden, it's like a circus car. Four more, you know, big guys got out of this car. And I'm like, you guys are hurt, lay down. One guy's face is all bloodied. The airbags are all gone off, but they're rattled. And... Uh, you know, I'm sitting there going, hey, you guys, I'm standing there, I kind of yelling at them, they're like this, you know, 15 feet away from, lay down, you don't feel, and then all of a sudden I hear this voice behind me, everybody on the ground, I turn around, and look, here's three cops, you know, and I'm point A, point B, and I'm in the middle, I throw my rental car keys, I mean, my car keys up in there, and hit the deck, crawl back to my car, you know, get in the front seat, and just laying there, what's going on, what's going on, and I don't know what there was going on, finally, Tap, tap, tap on the door. It's a police officer. He took me to the harbor store. We watched the video. And uh, I had to identify myself and then identify the, the, the robbers. It was, it was a high-speed police chase. And uh, they had stolen this brand-new Explorer. And uh, they got off the interstate at 100 miles an hour and just kept running going until they bashed into that parking lot. So it was an ordeal, you know. <laughs> I called Heidi and said, you know, hey, you won't believe what happened stuff. But then I got, put it in drive, and all of a sudden... Fade to black. I had no idea where I was. I call her. I'm looking at my, you know, Siri map. She's telling me turn right, turn left, come down here. One more mile, you're almost home. And and uh, man, I was freezing cold. I was in shock. And and uh, things happen. You know, things happen. So I'm not telling that story for my glory. I'm telling you that things coming along in life that I wasn't planning on. You know, just a week before that heart procedure, I was climbing. Uh, superstition mountains in, in uh, Arizona and just trucking along and I've always been very athletic my whole life and something didn't feel right and that's kind of what started the whole process so uh, I'm very grateful to be here this morning so I say I'm grateful I really mean it uh, not that I wouldn't mind being in heaven as the Apostle Paul said uh, you know it'd be a great place to be but now we have work to do and that's really what I want to share about and this morning that Aaron and I when we uh, we're going to do a little Q&A and even field some 
questions from you if you're interested. But I want to just encourage you this morning that uh, the word calling is really vital for everybody in this room. The word calling. We're not just believers. I learned, as you'll hear in my story a little bit here, uh, it's not one enough to just believe. There's a difference between believing and then repenting and believing. And for me, uh, just real quickly, I'll give you a little bit of my background. Uh, I grew up son of a lawyer. My mom was a very successful uh, interior decorator as well, so I had a a house with multi-talented parents that were off in their own worlds, diametrically opposed to each other, doing their own thing, and kind of left my sisters and I to fend for ourselves. We were taken care of. We weren't in poverty. Everything was. I had a country club car going, eat my food there five days a week, and it was, you know, a, a nice life, uh, but lacked a lot of direction. And uh, they eventually got separated when I was just a young teenager, and that led to me playing in bands and playing with guys older than me and making some poor choices. As I was telling the story last, I did it, <clears throat> excuse my voice this morning, I'm not in full voice. We did a house concert last night, the Nelsons, and I kind of left it all in the field and I got this morning, <clears throat> oh, 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 hope I can sing. So anyway, um, make a long story short here. Uh, I usually tell this part of the story is a lot worse things happen in the car than it would have happened in the bar. As a minor, I couldn't stay in the bar on these sets, so a lot of things happened in the car that were uh, not desirable. And uh, and there's some young minds around here, but... um, Wow. I could have died so many times. I called my dad so many times on overdoses, end of hospitals, bottom of drug houses. I mean, he just came in and rescued me time and time again. And um, the last time that he rescued me, my, uh, my girlfriend and I and one of the guys in my band. So I was an unlicensed pharmaceutical representative. That's the long story short. <laughs> and I became a victim of a praying grandmother. Uh, if you've got a grandmother in your side, if you've got you in your sides, you're, you're toast. Just a matter of time, you're going down to your knees. So, amen. Thanks, sister. So we were going to Colorado. My transmission broke down the way out to Colorado. And on the way back, the engine malfunctioned. And uh, the guy I was with, well, he was my band, his parents drove 350 miles out to western Kansas and picked him up but wouldn't give us a ride home. We all lived within one block from each other. I don't know one parent that would leave two 18-year-old kids out there and take their own son home and leave us out there. But I finally persuaded Mr. Barry to take Sharon and... Um, left me out there by myself, but you know it was God's plan because um, I stood out there on the highway the next morning after I got the business of the Volkswagen to leave it there. My dad had sent $300, but it's going to take him two weeks to fix it, but I wanted to go ahead and get back to Lawrence, Kansas. So I left the car, so my dad bailed me out again, and um, on that highway that day, I found out that Jesus was real. I had a little pocket New Testament, my overalls, that uh, was from a, re- a requirement. Uh, I was taking a course called The Life and Teachings of Jesus Christ, and you had to have a New Testament. Well, I wasn't going to walk in with a big family Bible. You know, being a drug dealer and carrying a big white family Bible around, I wasn't going to make it. You know, so I had the smallest little red print, you know, thing, you could a microchip almost for back then, uh, two font, <laughs> um, you know, to, to read this class. But I stood on that highway, 
And I'm very mathematical, borderline savant mathematically, and when I see a sentence that says, seek ye first his kingdom plus his righteousness equals all these things added unto you. That was like one plus one equals two. It was just as simple as could be, you know? And just in that moment, uh, I knew that probably to get a prayer answered, you get on your knees and stuff. So I walked off the interstate down the drainage ditch and got down my knees and, oh, Lordest, if thou would give me this to rightest, I'd truly just appreciate you know, I was like, you know, doing everything I can to bend God's arm. You know, if I bring King James English, me, will hear me better, you know. Whatever. So, but as I was praying, a van stopped and backed up, and, and I had a bandana on my ponytail. I used to have red here. You can't tell this morning, but there's no red left there. But I used to have this big, thick, red, bushy hair, big Moses beard. And uh, I turned around and looked down, and they go, oh, it's a kid. They were writers from California. And they were doing, driving around the Midwest doing a photojournalism book on hobos, train hobos. <laughs> I looked the part, but I was just too young. They were looking for the 70-year-old guy that had been riding the rails, son. Yeah. So, <clears throat> but I got in their van, and they drove me about 200 miles. I was asleep in the back. They drove about 200 miles, woke me up with a stick. He was standing outside the van. So I think he was afraid I might wake up and you know, go nuts. But um, I sat down at the table, and my favorite meal, like a... Butterfly pork chops, you know, applesauce, glass of milk, every whole thing. It's like, if I could have gone to the Waldorf Astoria and ordered food, that's what I would have ordered. And I say that for Aaron, for a New York person there. <laughs> um, and I looked at it, and I thought, wow. I prayed, and I got a ride, and I got my favorite meal. And then they announced to me, hey, you know, we're not going to leave you out here. We're going to drive another 100 miles and take you home. They took me right to my front door at 2 o'clock in the morning. He's like, what the heck? The next morning, all my friends were gathered at breakfast. And this is where it starts. Because if you confess with your, believe your heart and confess your mouth that Jesus is Lord, things start shaking. <laughs> things start moving. Because why? You're testifying. So I was at breakfast with all my drug addict friends and my girlfriend and stuff. And they said, how'd you get back so quick? I said, you won't believe it. I had this little Bible and I found this verse, and I prayed it, and I got a ride and dinner and a ride to the house. And here I am this morning, and I just want to tell you, Jesus is real. And then my bass player goes, oh, no, last night the third moon was lined up with the night. He's going off in his age of Aquarius you know, BS, and, and, and everybody is giving their excuses, you know. And I said, no, Jesus is real. This is the truth, and I, I stood. I made a stand. You know, and then shortly after, I started reading that Bible. And uh, in fact, I want to tell you something. This is what I'm going to charge you with. And Aaron and I are going to talk about this in a little bit. But um, Revelation 12, 11. Actually, I'll read that here instead. Reach my electronic Bible. Revelation 12, 11. Let's turn to that because I'm going to charge you with something right now. Not a credit card. But uh, <laughs> wait, there's more if you act now. Get the Gin C knives and the Paul Clark CDs. No. Revelation 12, 11. Three things here. How many legs does a stool have, usually? At least three, right? You can do four, but three is solid. You take out one of those stool legs, and it's, it's going over, you know? So these three things. They, the believers, overcame him, Satan, by the blood of the Lamb, that's number one, by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives into death. And I want to say something very important. What I was doing to my friends right there was I was testifying. Look at this passage again real quickly. They overcame him 
by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they love not their lives unto death. If you can live that lifestyle, you will keep moving forward in the Christian life. Because we're testifying what? What I'm doing? No. We testify what the blood of Jesus Christ has done for us. And in doing so, we die to ourselves. The way to have the power of the Holy Spirit, the dunamis power, Acts 1.8, the way to have that dunamis power is to be dead to yourself. God's not in the rehabilitation business to make you a respectable religious citizen. That's not the plan here, folks. You know, it's not to dress us up and make us look like pretty Christians. So often today in the modern church, we, so much energy is spent building, building scaffolding. We're not building a scaffolding. If you've been to Washington, D.C. until a few years ago, for about a five-year period, all these, you know, schools were taking trips to Washington, D.C., and you looked at the capital and it was scaffolding around it, and it got to be normal. Oh, it's so beautiful. <laughs> Everybody just admired the scaffolding. They forgot that underneath that is this incredible architectural feat. You know, it's the same way today in the church, I think, a lot. We're just looking at the scaffolding all the time. Man's best desires and marketing intentions and corporate ideas. And that's all fine and swell. You know, I'm not going to cut that down. But there's nothing that will be testifying about the blood of Jesus. And there's nothing that will unleash the power more than you dying yourself. Reckon yourself dead, he comes alive. Live yourself, he gets quiet. <laughs> it's really simple. It's why the Holy Spirit, a lot of times, is they sit in the parking lot going, boy, should I go in there? I wish they would invite me back in, <laughs> you know? Because uh, we have pushed the Holy Spirit out. He's, to me, one of the most disrespected people in the church today. He's a person. He's not a commodity. You don't go to Costco and stock up on a bunch of Holy Spirit and toilet paper during the pandemic, you know? It's not that way. He's a person. He's not a thing. And treat him that way, and you'll see your life will change. So I wanted to just share that because I'm going to just segue a little bit into the Jesus movement. Maybe, do you want to come up? You want to, you ready yet? Okay. So I was telling you at lunch every day that so much of the time, especially the last year, there's been a lot of attention given to Jesus music and the Jesus movement. And that um, is not totally accurate. I haven't seen all those things yet exactly. Because I saw enough of the traders, I went, well, that's not true, that's not true, well, that's different, okay, okay, that could happen, but, so, there's been an interest, because 50 years ago, that the Jesus movement was kind of really taking off, and uh, I just want to say, this morning, I want to testify that the thing that totally gave, I was there from the beginning, 1970, I saw the whole thing unfold, it came out of the ground, first of all, it didn't just come from Chuck Smith, oh, you know, Chuck Smith, you know, anybody here? Know some of the fellas are gathering outside, you know. You know yeah, anyway. it didn't just start in California, and that's all due respect to Harvard Chapel. And I sang at the tent way back in the beginning, too. But I lived in Colorado, I saw the same thing happen there. I started traveling around the United States, the same thing. I'd meet a Lonnie Frisbee every time I went to. I saw Calvary chapels that weren't Calvary chapels, and every time I went to, God was praying on his spirit in the whole earth, and that's amazing. Because no man can take credit for it. No man, no corporation can say, oh, we had this great revival plan. It took us four years, and we rented a stadium. It's not that way. It's just one day there was, wasn't, and the next day there was. And I want to tell you that for a purpose, because right now people are always asking me, since I'm a pioneer and a veteran, is there another Jesus movement coming? Do you sense the, is there a quaking, a shaking? Do you see a new 2.0 Jesus movement coming? 
And I don't know. I'm not God. I've got eyes. I've got ears. I've got a heart. I've got discernment. But I kind of tend to think that we're not going to see Jesus reusing acoustic guitars all over again and trying to persuade a generation. I think we're going to see something we've never seen before. I truly believe that's my own conviction. You can take it or leave it. But why would God refry beans to try to win people over to beans? You know? How many Sermon on the Mounts were there? One. How many women at the wells were there? One. How many times did Jesus put mud on people's eyes? Zacchaeus to the trees. I go on and on. He's a one-off God. He has this incredible, you know, ability to, to be so beautiful and so much bigger than we can imagine for ourselves. And um, that is stunning to me. And I know, for me, I don't long to see something redone, you know, or just a new paint job put on the old model. I want to fall to my knees and go, oh, my God, <laughs> you know, oh, my, oh, my, you know. That's what happened in the Jesus movement. And the what really drove it was what I just read to you, testimony. Testimony's been lost in the church. When we started church in the early 70s, we had more time for testimony than music or even preaching. True, John? Oh, it's yeah. true. It's absolutely true. Because what would happen? You know, Jimmy become a Christian, you know, at a, at a Bible study. And even a week or two later, I'd throw Jimmy up there. He's not a seasoned professional preacher or couldn't even hold his Bible upside down or right side up. He's still getting over drugs or whatever. But I'd say, Jimmy, tell us what happened. Well, I was... You know, listening to Stairway to Heaven when I was on LSD and, you know, whatever. The story would go skewing off the right and the left and rabbit trails. And, but in the end, he told a story. All the people in the audience that were living that lifestyle, that knew Jimmy before, said, I want to be the new Jimmy. And that's why they came forward. It was the power of the testimony. It wasn't because they were polished teaching. It was, you know, and then uh, I went this and I thought I'll do this. You know, it wasn't like that at all. It was so from the hip, just And so I want to tell you this because I'm going to charge you with this. I told you I'm going to charge you. Your testimony is so valuable. It's priceless. You have a story to tell that you can't tell for him and vice versa. And you, each one of you, have a story to tell. Don't ever sell yourself short on the power of your testimony. Someone is always listening. Someone is always watching. Your testimony sometimes falls down because you're a sinner. They go, I thought you were a Christian. No person ever, you know. Yeah, I'm a sinner. <laughs> That's my testimony. <laughs> but I got a God that forgives sin. I got a God who washes us clean. We took communion yesterday at the Nelson's house. It was the middle of the day. Just thanking God for the washing of the water. The washing of the blood of Jesus of our sins. The healing that comes through his body being broken. Man, what a privilege every day to wake up and have a reset. Start all over. Middle of the day, reset. I'm sorry. You know, and it's more than just I'm sorry. It's more than just forgive me. It's that leads us to repentance. Repentance is your will taking action to really cooperate with him, to co-labor. It's amazing. He calls us to co-labor. If I was a God of the universe, I would not want to co-labor with any of you, you know, in the natural. It has to be perfection. But he's chosen this, this plan to use foolishness. Uh, 
So I'm going to share a song. I realize I forgot the harmonic. It's in the bag. Maybe she lets you have some good. I've never seen a street river Flowing from the land or the sea Up and down and all around God's finger seems to carve them all with ease Why do some people and some preachers on TV Try to sell the world that God's so straight I've never seen a square mountain, no, no, arousing from the coast or the plains, up and down and all around. God's finger seems to carve them all the same. Why do some people and some preachers on TV try to sell the world that God's so straight and Will the sun, the sky every morning Will it never look the same from day to day Oh, could this be a lesson or a warning The power of our God cannot be tamed Beyond every star in creation Beyond every thought that man could dream Oh, it takes a divine imagination To build a plan for man to be redeemed Cause the star of his creation In that garden they took a spill So he sent his son to die on Calvary's hill Forgiven from a shame Up and down and all around God's finger carved my heart with Jesus' name Cause I'm a crooked sinner Saved by grace and mercy His word has come, His truth has set me free His word has come, His truth has set me free I've never seen a street river, no, no. Mm -hmm. Amen. Meet this for a second. Thanks, Geoff. <laughs> I guess the people local got it. There's several Jeffs in my came this morning. Salman Jeff says, my name's Jeff. I said, are you Jeff or Geoff Jeff? He said, I'm Geoff. I said, you look like an artist.
Um, I don't know if I should try this song or not. It's really early, <laughs> but I'm going to go for it. Then we're going to, Aaron and I are going to mix it up a little bit. Uh, back in the early 2000s, I was down in Brazil. <clears throat> and uh, it was the Wednesday before Good Friday. I was going to be flying back the next day from Rio to Sao Paulo, Sao Paulo to Houston, Houston to Los Angeles, be picked up and taken down to Irvine Amphitheater for the Good Friday service with Chuck Smith and Mike McIntosh and Greg Laurie and all the Calvary Chapel, Skip Heitzig, who I was living with at the time, the Heitzigs. And um, I sat there in front of this 1500s Portuguese Catholic church and uh, cobblestone streets, very romantic little town, Padachi, little small village. And I just thought, Lord, how about I, like a really cool Good Friday song? You know, we got the nails in his hand, you know, whatever. But I thought, I want to, I really want a song that I can testify and sing something differently. So I started walking around the village and didn't have a guitar, I was just humming. And this kind of Middle Eastern melody started snaking through my mind. And uh, I, you know, was doing the math and thinking of the chords, but the voicings that I was singing were very Middle Eastern, very sort of Aramaic, you know. These half tones, you know, and uh, which I don't know why I was doing that in a Portuguese town, <laughs> you know. So I speak a little bit of Spanish enough to get me in trouble and order food and get directions. But when you go to Brazil, it's like you see a word and then it goes. It's like it's like Spanish on acid. It just <laughs> something goes wrong, you know. But uh, so that morning, I just was walking around, and all of a sudden, a lyric came to me, another lyric, and then I realized, wow. When I was sitting on that bench, I was reading out of John, the Gospel of John, a little red letter edition again. And the three words, it is finished. Powerful, powerful sentence. But it's one word. And guess what? It's on this guitar right here in Greek. You can come up and read it later if you want to. That's the Greek word, tetelestai. If you could say it in English, it would be T-E-T-E-L-A-S-T-A-I. Tetelestai. That's the Greek word. And you see here closely, there's a crown of thorns around the sound hole. A friend of mine, Bruce Petras, built this guitar for in 2003 when I wrote the song. I said, I want to tell a story. I'm a storyteller, you can tell that. So anyway, this guitar is called the Crown of Thorns. But that, that day when I was, got back to a guitar in Rio de Janeiro, I started detuning my guitar and some of the weird tunes I've been playing, looking for that, that dissonance, that, that uh, angst where the place meets minor seconds and just, just tune it. On guitar, it's frustrating because you have a note here, a note here, you can't play at the same time. It's an open string instrument. On piano, no problem. Dink, right next to each other. Chopsticks, ding, 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 you know. Some of the notes are harmonic, some are fighting each other. So I figured out a way to change that and create, get more anxiety. And that was by detuning some strings and tuning some strings up. So for all the guitar players in the audience, if you're gonna be confused about my hand positions, the, Louis, the low E goes down two steps to C. The G, A goes down to G. That's a whole step. The D and the G stay the same. The B goes up to C. And the high E goes down a step to D. Got that? Okay, good. Move on to the next step. So let's say the first song Jonathan played, Holy is the Lord. That's the G chord. Any guitar players in the audience here? I'd love to tell a story. So G chord is pretty simple. You got your little three, three strings here. So this is the hand position for G chord. This is the first song we played today. Ready? We stand and lift up our hands for the G 
joy of the Lord. If I was doing that, you would think, who hired this guy? You know? Be gone in the name of Jesus. <laughs> but yet, this is a different language. I, I've got this memorized, and I know where I put my hands in different positions. I'm going to get voicings I can never play on that guitar, ever. Like just, remember I told you this dropped into A to G? So if I go to the second fret, I'm back to A. But to get that... I can't play that on a guitar. Those notes are... Ner it's not the Twilight Zone. It's, okay. So it gives the ability for this anxiety. And this song is anxiety. This is a first-person rendition, basically, of Jesus describing what he went through. So I'm going to ask you, it's a bright sunny day, just for a few minutes to close your eyes. Don't pay attention to me. Just pay, If you want to look up here, it's fine. But uh, I want you to just put yourself in this position. We're coming up on the Easter season before you know it, and Good Friday. So it's a song called Tetelestai. Father 
Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Oh, oh, oh. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. is fallen oh the time has come not my will father but let thy will be done
going on? When we were eating lunch today, he said, well, why don't you just take the whole service? I said, you know, that sounds great. Appreciate it. But why don't we share the service and have a little Q&A and exchange? Because he's your, he's your shepherd, he's your pastor. He knows what you're going through and stuff. And I've got a lot of arrows back here. I've got six or seven songs I've written and experiences. But I just feel like his, as the leadership of this fellowship, he can, we can work together and co-labor to try to enrich in your lives as best we can. So. Amen. All right, turn into Deuteronomy chapter. No, no, I'm <laughs> just going to say no, no, no. One, two, one, two. <laughs> so anyway, first of all, thank you, you so much. <laughs> um, but I would love to be able to take some time. Uh, if anybody here has questions that they want to ask Paul about anything that he talked about, uh, his life, his experience, his ministry, Cesar's got a little microphone right there if anybody wants to uh, ask. Uh, and Jan, actually, I have mine right here. Your first question is, what kind of lasagna are you making? No, it's good. Um, let's see. What do you think are the most important elements to get the congregation to the heart of worship? Um, you've actually answered a lot of my questions already. <laughs> you know, it is all right. about the testimony of people, yep, like what is. happened to me. <laughs> right. So I'd say the most important elements are, I'll, in fact, I told this to Aaron, I'll roll back a little bit. Anybody here this morning on the worship team? Raise your hands up a little higher so I can see you. Okay, so a lot of times I'll go to a church as a guest like this. And the worship team will be here at 7.30, practicing their hearts out, going through the song list five times, you know, and getting there, making sure they're together. And that's called great, because we want to serve with excellence and stuff. But I always tell people, the service starts at 10 o'clock. At 9.30, you should be off the stage, and you should be out there in the parking lot, now you're in the hallway, because the worship team is the best greeters, you know? Because if an unbeliever comes, or a visitor, they don't come too early, because they're afraid they might get trapped. They don't come late, because they go, hey, who's the new guy, you know? <laughs> You know, but, but uh, so worship team members, you are all greeters. Secondly, the worship service starts right when you walk in this door, you know, because it starts right there with the word that begins age called humility. We can all grow as a congregation to come in here humble and teachable and seeking and, and wanting to receive. I kind of talked about that already a little bit. But, so that'd be my, my answer to that real quickly. I could go on a long time with that. Excellent. Cesar? Can you hear me? Yeah. All right. So you mentioned revival, and, and we know that the Lord is sovereign. He'll do whatever he wants to do whenever he wants to do it, right? Yeah. So I'm not going to ask you what's the recipe for survive, um, revival <laughs> now. Survival. That's a different. Yeah, survivor. I give you that recipe. <laughs> but what I've seen from my experience, and I have been a Christian as long as you, that I, I think the church in general is very comfortable. We're very comfortable in our walls and just showing up and consuming. Yeah. Um, how have you, over the last 40 years, um, addressed those times where maybe you're too comfortable and you're like, Laura, I, I need to do something. I lost my first love or I lost my way. Boom. Just hit it right there. Yeah. How, do, how, how have yeah. you overcome that? That's my, you just gave the answer right there. First love, in fact, there's a DVD series with myself and a bunch of the early pioneers of Christian music called First Love, two, DVD, two DVD, DVDs. First love is the absolute blasting cap for dynamite to take off. Uh, without first love, you are religious. <laughs> you are just religious. And you know, that's like something you can't get off your hands. You know, no matter how many times I go buy liquid nails and put rubber gloves on, I'm not gonna get them. Next thing I go, oh 
crap, my brand new shorts, I got a little daub there, you know? It just seems like they just jumps on you, you know? And that's what religion does. It's like, oh, dang, I'm religious, you know? You can't get it off me, you know? It's a terrible feeling. So the first love is like, say there, you hit it around the nail in the head there. First love is what keeps the thing moving in your relationship with Jesus. Think of the person you're in love with. Like if Heidi calls me my cell phone, and I answer her, I go, hello. Well, first I'd hear her, 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 her own thing, tone ring, woman of my heart. But I don't go, hello, oh, hey, honey, who's this? You know, I, I don't do that. You know, I know her voice. I'm sure in Deirdre talks to, to, you know, when the pastor calls you, it's your husband. You don't go, is this the pastor? <laughs> no, no, you know it's your, it's your man, it's, your, it's the person you're in love with. And that's the way it is when you're in love, you know, is that first love. You know, you know each other, you know, and that's the way we have to walk with Jesus, is that first love, knowing him, you know, knowing his voice. My sheep, hey, how about that for a tip for the day? You know, so learn to hear his voice, learn to know the Holy Spirit, and be in love with him. If you're in love, you're continually pursuing. Obviously, all of us fall out of love with everything. It, sometimes the rubber hits the road and divides us away from that, but do your best to stay in that first love. Amen. Yeah, good question. There you go. Oh, and one other thing too, that as far as the church, beyond just individually and the church being first love, um, you mentioned just about the state of the church. You know, I, don't, I can be very negative saying so quickly, and I want to make sure I'm not, because it's his body, and, and who am I to stand and criticize his body? Everybody has a different pace and different walk. In fact, Read a verse that I was going to read, and I'll read it right now. I love it. Sitting at breakfast this morning, this came up. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to uh, Second Timothy, chapter four, verse six. Second Timothy four six. Sorry, I didn't say that clearly into the microphone. You probably noticed by now I mumble and speak very fast. I'm very sorry about that. For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. That's, I hope that's not my testimony. But I have fought the good fight. I have finished the, the race. I have kept the faith. Once in, a three-legged stool. You know, you fight the good faith, you, 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 the good faith, you finish the race, and you keep the faith. Sorry. Uh, you fight the good fight. The, the importance of us moving in those realms of dedication is so important because otherwise you're just serving yourself the quickest way to quench the holy spirit is to serve yourself it's that simple and so unfortunately we have a lot of people that come i'll just confess right now in the mid 80s i was, thought i was doing the right thing but myself i'm an artist i'm a musician a bunch of my musician friends we were kind of tired of the church life we lived the jesus movement and then to the charismatic movement and just really wanted to get back to the streets. I really want to go back to being an evangelist. That's who I am, so to speak. And so I thought, okay, let's start a church, my friend and I, let's start a church, and let's buy 10-second spot ads on the local rock station, you know, gang, 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 like three seconds, and Harlan Community Church, 10 a.m., 83rd Lamar, where, where Billy Graham meets Saturday Night Live. Gang, 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 gang. That was it, 10-second ad. You know, where Billy Graham meets Saturday Night Live, what the heck kind of a promotion idea is that, you know? But we had 25 professional actors in our church. What did I do? I put them to work. Let their gifts be expressed, you know? We had tremendous skits and stuff, and people kind of saw it as a tricky way to try to 
get people in the church, but it, but it, it's, it worked. It was, it was authentic. It was real. Unfortunately, people started copying it and, and making it a thing. And unfortunately, in America, the franchise of America also leaked its way to the church. And if you see something good done once, then you do it again, 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 again. That's what makes liturgy boring and dead and religious. So don't do that. <laughs> Amen. Next question. Somebody else? Ryan. Ah, oh, cool. I love it. Young guy. How did you learn how to uh, play guitar so well? Uh, it's a big word. You can write it down. It's called practice. <laughs> so, <laughs> today, today you have, you know, carpal tunnel syndrome from gaming, and you can expand that to five fingers and five fingers. And uh, practice, but the practice it was not like okay Tuesday from four to five I gotta practice because I'm going my lesson at five thirty, you know. When I started playing drums, I saw the Beatles the next day. I was all, I sat from here to that pole, literally road JC eight. So I got my ticket stub three dollars and three dollars and fifty cents. So the Beatles, I just, yeah, how about that? Four dollars at the door, but it sold out. So anyway, but um, you know. I, I, I play my drums every day. I come from school, eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, just, just, you know, just going out, playing with records next to me, mimicking everything Ringo was doing. And I would play till 10, 10, 30. The, parent, the people in the neighborhood always call because my window's open. Can you get your son to stop playing the stupid drums? And we're going, you know. So fortunately, I eventually got into guitar. But when I became a guitar player, same thing. I lived in a little log cabin in the mountains, no electricity. And I literally had a guitar. I just played 8, 10, 12, 16 hours a day. Just, first of all, I'll say these three T's to you, young man. There's three things in music to know. The three T's. Tone. How do you get tone? In your calluses. And this is a really good spiritual analogy. The tone comes in the fingers. One of my best friends, Phil Kagi. I met him in 1971. And uh, the first time we did a concert together, it was amazing. He had his Les Paul and his deluxe reverb amp, and things were coming out of that amp that I'd never heard before in my life. It's like, holy smokes. We well, set it down, turned the volume knob down, and went around the scrim backstage and went to the bathroom. You know, I was looking, I picked the guitar up, turned the volume up, and started playing. What's going on here? Is there a pedal or something I'm missing? It didn't sound one thing like Phil Kagey, not even close. And all I'd done is turn the volume right back up. But guess what? It was in his fingers tone. So then you have timing, really important. You go to the guitar, guitar center, you'll hear some 17-year-old kid, you know, <laughs> but then you go to number three T, timing. If you can't play in time, it doesn't matter what you can play. So you've got to get that groove down. I'm glad I played drums first, because it, and that's the same thing in Christian life. It's learning the cadence of walking with God and being in tune with Him and having the tone in your heart that only time gives you. Is that good? Good question. All right. That was good. No request. I got a question back here first. Oh. Alice. He's coming. <laughs> hey, you can be my road manager. I like that answer. I have to say that. How did, you, <laughs> how did you transition from going to being a rock and roller to a Christian singer? How did that 
Well, that, I used to give that as one simple answer all the time. And that was a, it was a very awkward position. This is maybe be hard for you to understand. But the first couple of years of my ministry, the only people that opposed me were pastors. <laughs> no offense. They literally, they literally would come to my concerts and come in, because, you know, there'd be a thousand kids in an auditorium. A good shepherd would come in, and this, was, this, this, this format was considered demonic. Uh, you know, they come right to the stage, you electric guitar, African drum beat, deceiver, you know, trying to ruin our children, to poison their minds, this, you know, kind of thing. I just said, hey, man, look at the fruit, you know. There's nothing to say about it. So I was too religious for rock and roll and too rock and roll for religious. So I was constantly doing the splits. And I, I know what segregation is. I mean, it might have faced, you know, Alabama in the 1960s or something, but I know what it's like for the last 52 years to be on the outside as a good musician. If I would have gone into the world, I could have probably had some success and done pretty well. Phil Kagan would have been like Eric Clapton. He could just go down the line. But because of serving the Lord, you immediately set yourself apart. You're immediately persecuted. You're immediately a second-class citizen. You know, people don't even care. Oh, what kind of music do you play? Oh, it's kind of, oh, okay, whatever. You know, they don't take it seriously. So the transition wasn't hard. The commitment was that much more fervent because I really felt the necessity to give validity. I didn't need to defend God. He didn't give me a, a siren and a badge and pull people over and try to prove to him that Jesus is real. The songs speak for themselves. The Holy Spirit's able to take care of himself. So, uh, but, you know, I think it's kind of funny, and this is just a quick 30-second add-on. For 41 years, I went to a convention every January called the NAM Show. <laughs> And Burgess know this, all about this. It's so where merchandisers go and order their, all their merchandise for the year from all the different vendors. Seven floors in Anaheim, California of merchandise. Back in the late 70s, early 80s, I was actually a keyboard player and endorsed by Yamaha. And they got all the, you know, C7 grand piano and all this kind of stuff. And I would go to the Yamaha booth and do my little shtick and, you know, people would clap and get off. But nobody gave it much credence because I was a Christian. I would let my Faith fly. You know, take the opportunity in front of thousands of people to tell them about Jesus. And Christians, the audience would come and say, hey, bro, yeah, blah, blah, blah. But I went to Yamaha Rep 1980. I said, you know what? You are missing a gold mine. If you're in business and you want to actually make money, you think you're serving the rock industry, but you've got big competitors in the rock industry. If you would right now, there's this big old void called the church. If you would start going there and serving them and helping them get good PA systems and stuff, I sing into Microphones were like on a stand. I was seeing old churches that didn't have PAs, and the clusters in the ceiling. It's you go back on Monday morning. The last song I sang was still bouncing around. It was terrible <laughs> acoustics, you know. Was, so, you know, but you know what? You go to that Nam show now. There's far more equipment sold to churches than rock and roll. It's dead, you know. It's it's really funny. I kind of got the Lord got the last laugh. <laughs> Next question, any more we got? And then you got a comment, I know. No, I got a request. You got a request? Oh, it's even better. Mike? Oh. So they can't hear you. Oh, no. My request to Paul is that I've been like Paul in the church for 60 years. Yeah. And uh, John 8, 34 through 36, take a quick look at it, Paul. Yeah. And then speak to the church about freedom. There is so much, there is so much condemnation that the devil, through our human sin nature, brings to us. Mm -hmm. Those verses speak to that. Speak to that 
just from your experience. Will. Okay, I'll read it. So John 8, 34 through 36, Jesus answered them, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin, and a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Freedom. Wow. Freedom is amazing. You know, even the simplest thing. We were at the state uh, park. I can't remember the name of it now. Um, Darryl. Yeah, Darrell Wiggins. And my swimming trunks have red, white, and blue stripes. It's a, like an American flag kind of swimming trunks. And I sat down, and I just tilted my chair back in the beautiful you know, sea, uh, gulf there, and white, white, white sand. I was sitting there. I was on Santa Island, actually. And I'm sitting there, and I go, wow. I looked at my ringtone in my house. It's 21 degrees, 8 inches of snow, and 2 inches of ice on my car. I went, freedom. <laughs> That's freedom, you know. And it's the same thing. I'll speak the church that same way. It's got two inches of ice on it and eight inches of snow covering up its testimony and blanket. And it needs a big old thaw out. Because freedom is something, guess what? Jesus fought for your freedom. And he gives you the responsibility to fight for freedom. Not only for our walk with him, to not be, to resist persecution and resist, resist people belittling you. Because really they're belittling your God. I mean, I love the time we live right now. This is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego time. You know, this is the time. This is the time we go in and we don't, re, you know, we don't shrink back. This is Goliath and David time. We don't go. Oh wow, I don't need stones. I don't you know. That's not true. This is the time I've trained for 52 years for this moment to fight. The Lord spared my life two years ago to be in the fight right now, not to take my ease. So I'm I'm very grateful for that. Does that answer that a little bit? Okay, great. So I just want to uh, add something that a sister here sent me a devotional this week before I even talked to Paul at all, and it seems appropriate right oh, now. Right now um, and I'm just going to read this to you, so just kind of listen along. Um, Nadia Sloboda could hardly contain her enthusiasm. She had just learned about Christ from a shortwave radio program broadcast from Europe. As the first Christian in her Russian village, she desperately wanted to tell her, all of her friends about the God who had miraculously changed her heart, but she knew the local authorities strictly prohibited any talk of God or Christianity. However, Nadia was unable to contain her zeal, and, as so and soon a church was born. When the police were unable to squelch the church's growth, even with roadblocks, they arrested Nadia and sentenced her to four years in prison. Her five children were taken by force to an atheistic boarding school, which tormented her. But she, f she felt nearer to God than ever before and persisted in sharing Christ even with her fellow prisoners. Because of her refusal to stop talking about Christ, officials put her in solitary, unheated cells for two months. It was in the middle of winter, and Nadia was not allowed any bedding whatsoever. She was forced to sleep on the cold concrete floor. After she was returned to the common cell, her fellow prisoners asked her how she was able to stand the treatment, and she replied, I fell asleep on the cold concrete floor, trusting in God, and it became warm around me, and I rested in the arms of God. Most Christians can recall a time in their spiritual journey when it seemed like they could never get enough of God and his word. Spiritual zeal was second nature. Fervor was a constant friend. Yet somehow, 
Our faith has grown cold along the way. Perhaps it was persecution that squelched our enthusiasm. Perhaps it was personal tragedy, or perhaps it was nothing in particular, just ordinary activities that dampened our spirits and reclaimed our priorities. Are the flames of spiritual fervor now merely smoldering, smoldering ashes? Has your zeal grown cold and dormant? It is possible to ignite a new relationship with God and fuel the fire within. Ask him to help you warm up to this idea today. There's a song that's sung uh, that says, I don't want a flame, I want a fire. So I, God laid this on my heart. I didn't really know what you were going to talk about until we had lunch, and he laid this on my heart again. Um, I want to pray for this for us. I want to pray for a return of the zeal, the fire. And you know what? We want to see it spread. You talked about revival. You asked about revival. They happen in different ways, but what do you, what's the core of that? Right. That love, that fire that's inside of us. That, how do you share your testimony? You release the fire, the, the dynamite, the dunamis we talked about. So I'm going to pray right now for all of us. If you really do want to pray, pray for a renewed zeal, renewed fire, pray this along with me. I'm praying this for myself right now. Heavenly Father, implant within my heart the fiery zeal of Jeremiah, the conviction of Rahab, the zest of the Apostle Paul. Stir my slumbering soul that it might sing a song of passion and devotion with dancing joy and desire for you. May my heart be as hot as the heart of Moses for all of your children burdened by slavery, for all who feel the weight of oppression or suffer rejection in an alien land or in their own family. May I, like your son Jesus, be consumed with zeal for you, for life, for your justice, and for your peace. Reignite the fire in my soul, O oh God. Amen. Amen. That's good. <laughs> Paul, do you have a song that you can take us out with? Sure. Excellent. I thought I was going to sing all 700 of them. <laughs> That's tonight. Six o'clock. Thanks to GR for running sound this morning. You guys back there. Give a round of applause to the people that come here and... We were eating at the uh, Cracker Barrel the other night down here, and uh, we had a waiter that looked like Patrick Mahomes from Kansas City area, and, and uh, we asked him, I said, you know, do people ever say you look like Patrick Mahomes? He goes, every day, you know, <laughs> in this restaurant. So, But what's cool about that, think about this. He had the image of somebody they recognized who had done something in football, whatever you call it, but... Wouldn't it be great to have that set of us if every time you walked up to help somebody, you know, you remind me of Jesus. You know, the way you're living, you, you remind me of Jesus a lot. Wouldn't it be every day? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's what I want. I want to be that Jesus every day. Amen. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord Now and forevermore oh, oh, oh. 
You'll be our God We'll be his people We will love him We will obey him Under his wings We find our peace And in the bond of covenant We share the bread that's heaven sent Ever mindful to be thankful To the one who sent his son To be an offering So that many could follow Open the gates We see the king Who is this king? The king of glory, mighty in battle Redeeming all who call us name And in the bond of covenant We share the bread that's heaven sent Ever mindful to be thankful To the one who sent his son Pretty special. Thanks, brother. It's been great being with you guys, really. Enjoy. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much what for a blessing. Me. Thank you. Hey, well. Hope we do it again. Excellent. That'd be great. Let me know next time you swing back around in your great big camper. <laughs> <laughs> we got this three foot camper friends gave, our friends gave to us. We're driving it around from Missouri down to Georgia. It's, I feel like I'm in a movie. It's like. This big old, you know, the wheels on the bus go around and around. It's so, it's so, it's dated and very vintage, uh, blue, blue velour and, you know, plastic gold and plastic chandeliers. And it, it's, I feel like I'm in an Albert Brooks movie, 1980 or something. <laughs> it's really been a blast. You know, it's got bump outs and everything. We pull in a cracker barrel. That's where it's at, man. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, cracker barrel. Well, okay, we're going to pray. We're going to end. You're all going to go out blessed and changed, right? Excellent. Um, Before you go, stop, have a cup of coffee, say hello to somebody they don't know. Um, Should I even ask Cesar if we're doing coffee in the courtyard today? No. No, we're not. Or I shouldn't ask, one of the two. There's still still coffee around. Yes, you may. So my wife, Heidi, and I, in December, we went. I used to do concerts, and in the middle of it, do breaks uh, Phil Kagan and I for Compassion International, you know, sponsored child. We did that for a long time, and then, you know, things happened. I got out of Christian music and went back out to the streets to play. And uh, anyway, long story short, last September, Phil and I were playing in, Oct- in Colorado Springs, and in the audience was a guy named Devlin Donaldson, who was one of the founders of Compassion. And he came the next morning where I was sharing at, at Calvary Church in Colorado Springs. And uh, he said, hey, would there be any chance that you and Heidi would go to the Dominican with us? Uh, in December, and consider becoming kind of a voice uh, for Vision Trust. That's the name of their organization. He, he, he left Compassion because it, it's big. 
it's a great organization, it's huge. He wanted to get more in the Volkswagen and be able to get through traffic and and uh, so we really resonated with that and, and being newlyweds too, we thought it'd be really cool to do something together. So we went down there with him to the Dominican Republic. And So anyway, I've got some CDs and vinyl records that we belong, but more importantly, we've got some packets. If anybody might just feel led from this 30 second pitch right now, uh, that maybe God's put in your heart uh, to put your resources into helping. We, we saw these people. And the cool thing at Vision Trust, we, we actually met the person responsible. You can, you can go down there. You can meet people uh, wherever around the world. They've got them all over the world. But it's cool. Sometimes you just sponsor a child and you see a picture of it. Uh, I like this, the smallness of this thing, the ability to just be mobile. So anyway, I want to make that announcement. Amen. All right. Well, that's going to be out in the right Welcome now. Center. That's how you part. <laughs> Um, but let's pray together, shall we? Uh, Heavenly Father, just what a, what a blessing this morning was. Uh, Lord, I thank you for how you uh, intervene into our lives. Uh, Lord, I just thank you for uh, men like Paul and others, um, Lord, who've just been so steadfast and on the path. And Lord, just great examples to us as well. Lord, I thank you for your word most of all. Uh, as Paul talked about today, this one of the essentials is that we are led by the word. Um, Lord, let it be woven into our testimony, Lord. Uh, as we go out of here today, Lord, I pray that you would reignite the fire uh, that's within us, Lord, that we might be able to go out and share our testimony unashamed and in boldness and in love and compassion, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, and in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you all. God bless you all. For more information about this podcast and other Calvary Chapel Naples resources, please visit us at ccnaples.org.